Okay, so welcome to 2020. Some, some of you more excited about being in 2020 than others. I think oh, I'm excited about it. So, How many of you can remember the millennium? Yes. Well, I've, got, I've got a brighter response than 2020. So, so uh, I remember it well. I said, what, what happened to the 20 years? What, what, whew, just like that. I tell you, lots happened in 20 years. Look back and be glad and think, man... One of the first things that happened in January 2020, I think it was January 2020, was that as a church we had a dream of having our own home. And we took the first offering, building offering in January 2000, sorry, 2000. And uh, on the basis of a dream, a relatively smallish group of people decided they'd start putting some money away for building. <clears throat> and... Uh, I was amazed. The first offering when we did it, it was just a dream. We had no, nothing in reality, just a, a God dream. God was taking us forward. We put it in our hearts to do it. And uh, this relatively small group of people dived into their pockets and the first offering was £50,000. Wasn't that amazing? So we decided, and we, we, we planned that we were going to do, it was a continuing thing throughout the year. We were just going to keep going getting money together so we, we thought well the second one came around and it's around about March time it wasn't that far after we thought well everybody's emptied their piggy banks for that one so, um, so we, we, no, we, had, we had expectations we had aims and we thought mm. and um, no but we were being realistic and so we thought well if we aim for another £20,000 that'd be kind of cool wouldn't it so um, second offering we took was £54,000 more, more than the first one and you sit in the building, which had its origins back there 20 years ago, when a few people dared to believe in a dream and uh, were willing to pay the price to start to make that happen. It's one of my memories. There's, there's, there's a lot more that's gone on from there. Um, and I'm, I don't want to give you a history lessons, so that would, be, that would take a while. But just to say, that over the course of time, there's... There's been one of the, the keys um, to how the church has been directed, formed, however you like to call it. And because um, I started leading the small church in 1988, but I didn't have much training for that apart from life training with Jesus. So I've you know, started following Jesus when I was 16. And just, I, I learned that quite quick. The best way was just to keep, keep walking with him, really. Um, in the power of the Spirit, and listening to what he says and doing it. Um, and that's the way we do Christianity. And that was the way we started. And So whenever God says something, we, we do it and we work out how afterwards. Um, because God's got plans. And um, I, wonder, I don't know, how many, how many good at, are you good at planning ahead? Got your plans ready for the year? Some of you have. Depends on your personality type a bit, how much detail you need. <laughs> So I, I don't need a lot of detail because I'm just, just excited about the opportunity ahead of me. And, but some, some people like a bit more detail. And uh, God's, God's, got a, God's got a lot of details already planned out. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so I was just thinking over the Christmas period, because what's normally expected is at the beginning of the new year that, 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 that you know, the church leadership put, put in front of you a plan. This is, this is what we're going to do. And God told me not to do that. Um, so... 
So I listened. No. <laughs> and uh, the, the reason, reason, and it's quite clear, he said, because basically any plan you have is not going to be big enough. Because in, in the year 2000, our dream was, was actually of a, a quite large building, but in a, a rural context where we were and would have been happily tucked away. And then God said something different. He said, actually, I'm going to place you at the Eastgate to a city. And what was in the heart of a few people back in 2000 turned into something completely unexpected. So are you ready for the unexpected in 2020? Yes. Actually, you can't be. <laughs> in one sense. <laughs> you can be ready in your heart, but you, don't, well, you can't get it all sorted up there. No. This is a challenge for those who like you, you, you. If you like it all sorted up there, this is going to be a challenging sermon, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> And um, at the end of, towards the end of the last year, um, Danny Silk was amongst us, and he, he, he preached a couple of sermons, morning and evening, which I thought were absolutely, uh, I would say, essential listening. To, Kim and I actually listened to, again to, to the morning one, and um, in, on our way up to see my dad just after Christmas, and it was just, a, I thought, that's taking us somewhere. Now, Kim's waiting there with a microphone, because you're going to come and say something now. <laughs> Because this will set us up for the where we're going. Um, I just went so I was in worship. I was just thinking, God, what are you doing? And uh, I sort of went to the back and, and just was praying with Sasha. And God gave me the phrase, unleashing the unstoppable. Yeah. And um, it's a strange, I am not particularly a dog person. But you know, you That's know when you take the That's dog... That's an understatement. <laughs> You know, when people taking their dogs for a walk, depending on how well-trained the dog is, the dog is there practically on its hind legs against, you know, sort of against its, its uh, collar. And then when you let it go, it just, vroom, there is no stopping it. And I felt there's two, there's, that's just what God was saying, unleashing the unstoppable and unleash, unleashing the impossible. Whoa. And I just want to say, just take... Um, you know, a couple of minutes. What would it look like? God unleashing the impossible, the unstoppable in your family. Whoa. What would it look like? God, whoa. Unleashing the impossible, the unstoppable in your workplace. What would it look like? God, whoa. Unleashing the impossible, the unstoppable in that school over there when it opens in 2020, in, in September this year. God unleashing the impossible, the unstoppable on our community. So yeah, keep that expectation. Keep that expectation. In fact, you'd be as ready as you, be ready <laughs> to sort of you know, move with where God's moving. There we go. So... One of the things that Danny was, was uh, trying to hammer home was the, this idea of making sure you keep the fire. And he was saying that, that, that basically generation after generation of Christians have, have if like, uh, found the fire of God and lived by the fire of God and then organized such that actually the next generation lived by the pulpit rather than the fire. And, um, 
And I think you can trace back, I think, you know, there, there's a, there is a massive challenge. It's there for Eastgate, it's there for every church, is, is how you keep in step with the Spirit. Um, that's what the, it says in Galatians, how do we live by the Spirit? And um, so I was, I've been meditating on this a lot for the last few, few, um, few weeks, just thinking about it. And um, this was my conclusion, is that you can't keep the fire. That shocked you. Because I don't think it's ours to be in control of. In um, it, the end of the book of Exodus, uh, it talks about it when, when the tabernacle was, was finished. Now, this is at the, at the end of an extraordinary book where that, the, the people of Israel, and Moses in particular, have had the most extraordinary experiences of God. The plagues get in the mouth of Egypt, the Red Sea, a mountain that's on fire. You're just extraordinary stuff. Moses would go into the tent of meeting, meet the God face to face, so much so that he comes out and his face is radiant, that he has to cover it. Oh, no, this is all within this one book. And you get to the end and, 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 and they build the tabernacle according to God's blueprint, which is really important. God's, and, and they build it and then the glory of God comes down and it says that, that it, it, the glory of God was so strong that even Moses couldn't enter in. That Moses was, was struggled to get into the next reality of what God was, was revealing of himself. Now, I want to, want to suggest to you that is, that is a fantastic invitation for you this year. How many of you would like to be struggling to get into what God is now revealing? Don't say the, the sense of actually, this is so glorious, I don't know how to get in. Rather than, oh yeah, we know all that Christianity. Yes, 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 we go along, swing up to a meeting and sing some songs. And it's, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sense of this is, this is so other than us that I don't know what to do. God, God turned up in a way I have no explanation except, except to fall on my face and worship. If we haven't got a year like that, then I'm not sure we're doing the right thing. But it, 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 it doesn't matter what our plan is and how big it is. And I love the story in Exodus where Moses is, you know, is, is basically... God says, you can go to the promised land, but I'm not going with you. Moses says, okay, well, well, I'm not going. Because for for Moses, the wilderness with God was greater than the promised land without God. And so, but at the end of the book of Exodus, it it, it gives you a little little sentence. It says that they had the, the pillar of fire at nighttime and the pillar of cloud by the daytime. And, and it was there with them every day. It says throughout all their travels, throughout all their travels, this constant reminder of the presence of God was with them. And it says this, whenever the clouds stayed, they stayed. And whenever it moved, moved. So I'm not sure you can keep the fire. I think you can move with the fire. I don't think it's ours to contain and I said that I think we have a danger, or the Christ, Christian, Christianity has a danger, which we would be silly to think that we would not have this as a risk towards us at Eastgate, is that basically have a, a, trying to create something to contain the fire and hold it in a, a place. And I, I, my meditation, basically God said to me, the fire is not a static entity. It, it simply isn't. If you, if, you want to put, put, if you want to create a structure which will keep it in place, before long there will be no fire. 
And what you'll have, and he said, turn this, it's quite a graphic image, he said, what you'll have is ashes. What previously experienced the fire, and it'll be like having the urn on your mantelpiece with the ashes of a dead relative, which you then pass on from generation to generation. And imagine this, you go, oh, this was dear Aunt Sally. We remember Aunt Sally, and then you pass it to the next generation, and they go, what are we going to do with this? Well, you're meant to keep it on your mantelpiece. No, it's, it's a pretty grotesque idea. I think we have, a, we have a fantastic opportunity ahead of us just to keep following the fire. We got this far by following the fire, through many different ups and downs. And, but if we then think we've got it, and we capture it, and then hand it on to the next generation, I don't believe it will be on fire. I think it has to keep on moving on and looking different. And um, so I want to turn to a couple of of, uh, passages in the Bible. Can we have Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6? So these are the couple of verses that really grabbed me for the last few weeks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, it's not wrong to understand, okay? And it's good to try and understand stuff. It's important. But if that is what we lean on, it's just our own understanding, then we will actually be limited in what we do and you will miss out on what God wants to take you into. I don't want to do that. Now, Again, as I say, it depends on your personality type how challenging this is. It depends how much understanding you need. I don't mind, but if, you're, if, you're, if you need more details, then obviously this is... I, I, I'm not a great needer of details. So I don't find this too difficult. But I do understand for some people, they ah, okay. And, but when I look at when Jesus walked on planet Earth, I don't see he gave a lot of details in, in the invitation. He said, hey guys, want to follow me? Where are we going? I don't know, yeah. (laughs) I haven't decided. Depends where the father is at work. I do what I see my father doing. See, I don't think Jesus even knew everything in advance. In his human form. So what did it take to follow Jesus? Trust is what... He just needed... It was actually you trusted him. And, um, And... trusted that en route he would straighten things out because it actually goes in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight and as I said in the first meeting <laughs> it sometimes doesn't look straight I've, I've walked with, with God long enough to think that didn't look straight <laughs> that might be straight in your eyes but for my, my mind that, that, that definitely went around a few bends on, on route <laughs> so I want to go to a story which is one of my favourites and it's, it's, it's uh, in John chapter 11 and it's actually the basis upon which I wrote my book Unwrapping Lazarus so it's the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead now I want you to enter with me and we're going to be doing some of this today and I'm preaching again next Sunday morning and so we're going to pick up because we won't finish this all off today I want you to enter into this story as one of the 12 disciples and not knowing the outcome 
right? So I want you to get in, in your mind that you're at the beginning of this story and you don't know the end of the story because it's, 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 if you do it that way, you'll understand it's, it's interesting. If you judge it all by the fact that you know the end of the story, you'll miss the point of the story, okay? So here we go. I want you to imagine you're one of the 12 and you're with Jesus and uh, this is the story. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Okay, so what you've got here is a story of uh, a family uh, who already know Jesus, um, they're familiar with Jesus, and even will say, actually, Jesus, you love this guy. So there, there's a degree of, of uh, intimacy already in this relationship. And Lazarus, Lazarus falls sick, and... The sisters, understandingly, they, they reach out to Jesus, who is a little way away. And what do you think their expectation would have been when they send word to Jesus? That he's going to come and, and heal him. And so if you're one of the 12, and the messenger comes, and um, you, you hear this, and you'd expect Jesus to respond. So you'd expect Jesus to respond to this in a way that you've seen him respond always. And how many of the sick did he heal? Who asked for it? Well, okay, so, so this is your experience, so you've got this all sorted. Um, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Okay, so, just, so you're thinking this, okay, good. One of the disciples think, cool, that's sorted then, no problem. Okay, and he said, no, it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. You're going, woo, what did he do? It's all looking good, it's all looking good. And... Um, it says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was for two more days. That, <laughs> now, does that look like love to you? I, I just want you, I say, I want you to imagine that, that for some reason you, you, you have the need to phone into Eastgate office because somebody's sick. And can somebody come and pray? Really quite a serious illness. And we say, yeah, we're... A couple of days. Would you, would you feel loved? No, probably not. But actually, if you're one of the 12 disciples, what are you thinking? What's going on? Or maybe he's doing that remote healing stuff. Yeah. You've seen that before with the <laughs> centurion servant. It's kind of, kind of handy, this remote healing, as you'll come on to later in the story. Because um, Jesus said, actually, this is covered, guys. And, um, and you know, actually, Jesus doesn't have to be there to do the healing. So... So, oh yeah, we're hanging around for a couple of days, that's cool. A couple of days off, hanging around with Jesus. And um, so I, I honestly believe those couple of days they would have sent, you know, been quite happy, thinking this is all, all covered. I think back at the other end of the story, in Bethany, then there's a different experience going on, which is, where is he? Why isn't he here? Why hasn't he turned up? Why hasn't he answered? What, what is going on? Now, what is important to understand is the 12 disciples and Martha and Mary have extraordinary trust in Jesus already. But that trust is being tested. How many of you fancy your faith being tested this year? Yeah, do you know it's only tested so it can grow? And often your faith won't grow unless it is tested. So how many fancy having your faith tested? 
Because the other is this. <laughs> you go, oh no! You go, I wish I could grow without that. <laughs> that would be inviting, wouldn't it? Now, sometimes you can. Sometimes it's easy street in Christianity, and sometimes it's not. And within a congregation size, there'll be all sorts of people going through all sorts of different experiences. And some of you have had a year, you think, I don't want any more tests. Thank you very much. In 20, I had enough in 2019. Some of you said, oh, well, 2019 was a great year. Well, I'm not saying anything, but watch out. <laughs> Why? We all, do, we all do life. And the Bible says every day has enough trouble of its own. You don't have to go and look for more. So. Okay. So he stayed two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now, again, if you're one of the disciples now, what are you thinking? I'd be asking why. Well, then, and this becomes a bit more obvious from the next one, because they say, but Rabbi, they said a short while, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back. So they had good reason not to want to go back, and the remote healing was very appealing, because going back to do it hands-on was actually kind of risky. Well, not just kind of risky, but very risky. So that, I, I think the 12 disciples would have been happy. Now they've got some questions of their own, which get even more confusing. Um, we'll jump forward to uh, verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. I've got some more questions. We do not have a question? He goes on to say, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Sleep's good for you. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he explains it. They're thinking, I would be thinking, why have we got to go and wake him up? Why do we have to risk our lives to wake him up? His sisters are there. Surely they can do that. This is all sounding a bit weird, Jesus. And then he says, verse 14, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Now, I, I would say those three words would have shaken every disciple. Because you would have thought that that goes against what Jesus said, wouldn't you? Now, at this moment, as a disciple of Jesus, one of these 12 disciples, I think you'd have some big questions. What, let's throw them out. Throw them out there. What sort of questions do you think you might have? Why did he delay? Yeah, that's one question. Why did you say it wouldn't end in death? You're wrong. Any other ideas? When he's sleeping, what do you mean? I, I, I'd be asking questions like, has Jesus lost his power? Did he get this one wrong? Did he lie? Was he over-optimistic? Got a bit of... Too, too big a view of himself, deceived, did the devil beat him, all, all this sort of stuff. What's going on? What, what's going on here? This, this, is, this does not make sense. And at that moment in time, these disciples have a very real choice to make about Jesus. Because it doesn't, make un, it, it doesn't fall into their own understanding at the moment. Now, they could lean on their own understanding. You're thinking, it just doesn't make sense. You, hey, Jesus, you said, and look. And uh, not be funny, following you right now, not only does it make sense, it's high risk. 
You know, I, I'm, I'm a bit... Does following Jesus ever feel high risk to you? Yeah, it does. Is it ultimately risky? No. But it certainly feels like it sometimes. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Because his plans for you are bigger than your plans. His, his dream for you is bigger than any dream you've got. He wants to give you more than you would ever ask or imagine. And the problem is if you can imagine it, it's not big enough. If you can understand it, it's not big enough. And what understanding you have now, he wants to expand. So how much do you know God right now? Well, hopefully quite a lot. Because the disciples knew Jesus to quite a degree. Martha and Mary already did. And they, I want to say they already had great faith. But actually Jesus wanted to take their faith to another level. So, so what I want to say, every day, every week, every month, every year is an opportunity for you to grow in faith. So that by the end of this year, you've got greater understanding, greater experience, greater knowledge of God than you started with. So I was talking to God about, hey, where do I want to be in 10 years' time? You know, 20, 30, what's it going to look like? And I was thinking about that. And, think, oh, and you know, I could think about all the things we get done, but I came to the conclusion that where I want to be in 10 years' time is still following Jesus. That, that's, it's as simple as that. I want to be following him in the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to what he says and doing, what, doing that. And I don't know what that's going to look like in 10 years' time. But I do believe it's going to be fun en route. And he will do great things. If I put him first, then all these things get added. But the secret is actually not my plans. Now, he reveals his plans to us, and we do them. I understand, but, but I, I just felt God caution me about it, saying, hey, set, set, set a plan out for the decade. He told me not to do it. For me. Now, I believe in stuff, we organize, like connect groups and stuff like that. But the last thing we want to do is, is create an urn for our ashes. Lazarus is dead. It gets worse. <laughs> I, w- I want you to imagine Donna. I want you to imagine Donna saying this, all right? So she was in the first service, I did point her. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I don't think you quite got a hold of that. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty inflammatory statement. He's dead and I'm glad I wasn't there. That, that's not the Jesus I know. My Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> Apparently he would. <laughs> this guy, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. You're thinking, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to believe at this moment in time. You're not making this any better. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> Don't put it back to me, mate. <laughs> but let us go to him I, I, I love Thomas I, I like his nickname as well Didymus <laughs> said, to the, <laughs> said to the rest of the disciples let's also go that we may die with him <laughs> how, how many of you would like to have Thomas as your spokesman <laughs> well I, I'd be kicking him under the table I, yeah, I'll be, I, I, shut him up somehow shut this guy up you're supposed to be the one with the doubts. Why don't you have a few more doubts right now? <laughs> I just want this is this is painting the picture. This is what they expected. This is the reality. These guys have a choice in front of them of whether they're going to choose to follow Jesus at this moment in time when it doesn't make sense and it's extremely risky. 
How many of you would like to experience the peace that passes all understanding? (laughs) You saw me coming, haven't you? You see me coming. Because I want to tell you, you will never experience the peace that passes all understanding until you pass all your understanding. If your peace is dependent upon you understanding it, then that's a human reality. And that human reality will not keep you every day of the week. The reason God wants to give you this, the test for company, is actually then give you a peace that, that simply guards your heart and your mind from everything that will assail you. God's will for your life is three things, it tells you in Romans. Romans chapter 8. I managed to drag this out of the first meeting. So, God's will is... You, you were here in the first meeting, you're, you're cheating. Good? <laughs> give them the start. <laughs> God's will for your life is good? Okay. You pleased about that? Are you convinced by that? Does it always look good? Okay, so you have to depend upon it's good. What, what's the second thing? Pleasing and perfect. This is God's plan for your life. It's good. It will be pleasing to him and you. And it is perfect. So if you want to see that unfold, what do you need to do? Yeah, you need to choose to keep following. That, that's how the plan unfolds. Imagine going back to the, you know, the days of Exodus. <clears throat> if the people decided they would move, but the fire wasn't moving. They got their plan. They'd be doing their own plans with no fire. And actually, the fire was their protection. And their shelter. Or imagine when the fire moves, they say, hmm, not convenient right now. We're staying here. Both ways, you're doing it without God. We're going to pick up most of this next week. So fast forward to the end of the story, which you already know. I'll do the details in between. More detail next week. When they get there, how many awkward conversations do you think you would have had if you'd been one of the 12 disciples? Seriously. Because you're the one, you're meant to be representing Jesus right here. You're his 12 special ones. So um, did Jesus get the message? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and what did he do? He said, we're staying for two more days. Oh, yeah? How did that go? And And then he told us Lazarus was dead. Huh. Okay. Why was that? Well, somehow for his glory. Well, sounds great. Sometimes you have really awkward conversations when you're pursuing God. And it's not easy to explain it. When you can't explain it, don't try. (laughs) Don't come up with some explanation that doesn't make sense. It'll only be ridiculous. Sometimes you have to say, actually, I don't know. I just trust him. I really don't understand. I don't understand what's going on, but you know what? I trust him. That's been my life resort. You know, sometimes I think, I just don't understand what's going on, but Jesus, actually, I do trust you. And I'm going to keep walking with you no matter what. Because that's what Christianity is. It's as simple as that. I don't think there's anything else. If you, your Christianity this year should be you walking with Jesus. 
us walking with him together as a community of people and trusting him to do great things. And his things, his plans for us are greater than our plans would ever come to. So, so Lazarus is raised from the dead. And at that moment, I just want to say this, <coughs> the disciples would have gone back, oh. See, I think, see, we interpret the things God says according to our own understanding. Because I think those disciples would have processed that and said that Lazarus wouldn't die. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus did not say that Lazarus wouldn't die. He said it wouldn't end in death. How many of you have heard from God and you've interpreted it in a way and you think, this hasn't worked out? And you're disappointed because you said, this is what God said. Maybe he didn't. The lens you look through and the ears you listen through, go back and look at the, the detail sometimes. He said, this would not end in death. And he was right all along. How about the 12 disciples were slightly a bit split in their opinion. Six had decided they weren't going. Too risky, don't understand. We'll see how you get on. And they joined up again a few days later. What would they have missed? They would have missed something unmissable. And it is, it is possible to miss the unstoppable by stopping so I'm not, I'm not trying to warn you I'm just trying to invite you into something amazing this year which is called Christianity which is being with Jesus in the power of the spirit and um, one of the ways so there's a little bit of detail for some of you who need detail I'll just give you a little bit of comfort of what we're going to do with the evening meetings moving forward because I'm quite excited by this so we're going to put some energy and different um, sort of emphasis into the evening meeting so uh, myself with, with, with some other folks we're going to look at how we actually pour more of the apostolic and prophetic into our evening meetings yeah. and they're going to be full of fire yeah. now that's not to make them different alright it would be different it's not exclusive but because What's going to happen there? I think it's going to be a bit of our R&D department. And it's going to, it will overflow. It, now, it's, it'll happen here. Don't worry. It's not, it's not, that's going to be a better meeting. It's just actually, it has an opportunity within it, which is, is the morning has slight more constraints to us of, you know, because actually collecting children and, and, and two meetings to get through. So the evening doesn't have the same thing. So we're going to be a bit more experimental. So if anybody wants to come along and experiment, experiment and experience God with me and anybody else who chooses to turn up, along with the worship teams and stuff. So I've already started talking about them. I'm starting tonight. I'm starting tonight. So, and and uh, I'm, I was recalling, actually... Um, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to... Actually, Dave Carter's actually leading the, the, the Friday morning prayer meetings. He's followed on the steps. Because I used to lead one. I've led one for 14 years. <laughs> Dave is starting a little bit later than I did. I started at 6 o'clock in the morning. So, so. <laughs> 6 till 7. It was just me, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it was just me. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it wasn't. <laughs> it never was just me, you see. I used to meet with God. And then anybody who chose to came and met with him with me. 
And some people say, actually, and it was one of those sort of unseen, a lot of people couldn't make it to that meeting, but it was actually one of the things that I think helped us create what we enjoy today, because we just said, and so we met with God, for God's sake. We didn't have a prayer list, didn't have a program, just God. And he used to turn up in awesome glory between six o'clock and seven o'clock in a really small room in a village in the back of nowhere because he loves meeting with his people. So I want to invite you into a year and a decade that's going to be all centered around that. And we're not going to try and contain the fire. We're going to follow it wherever it goes. So I'd like you to stand and we'll pray on that and then those of you who want to join in more fun then we'll be starting tonight at 6.30 and I'll carry on with more detail next week on, uh, on this